Okay. So, we're going to uh, talk about that stanza from Dinaga. So it uh, it's in a, in our root text, the 108 verses. It was verse 15. The determination that the conqueror, the Lord Buddha, is a reliable individual comes down to a logical proof for which you, great compassion, are the reason. So that verse is saying that there is a logical proof showing that the Lord Buddha is a reliable individual. In other words, a spiritual guide that, whose teachings we can rely on. And the proof of it is because he has great compassion. Okay, so great compassion is what makes him is the root of what makes him a reliable individual as a spiritual guide. Now, great compassion alone isn't the only qualification for a reliable spiritual guide. Okay? Because somebody could have great compassion but not have any wisdom. And then, you know, they aren't qualified to to lead us to enlightenment. But in Dinaga's uh, text, his salutation to the Buddha at the beginning... Uh, it reads I bow to the one who has become reliable intent on benefiting migrating beings the teacher the one thus gone the protector so in this homage it's taking great compassion as the, the first reason and showing how great compassion produces other qualities and all of those qualities all together are what makes the Buddha a reliable guide Okay. So in it, the, the conclusion of the statement is, I bow to the one who has become reliable. Okay, reliable meaning trustworthy or valid or someone we can rely on who's going to lead us to enlightenment. That's the conclusion. Okay, and then there's four different attributes that the Buddha has starting with, you know, the base, based on, on great compassion. And gain, by gaining all four of these attributes, that will prove that conclusion that he's a reliable guide. So the four attributes are intent on benefiting migrating beings, the teacher, the one that's gone, and the protector. Okay. So if we look at that first attribute, intent on benefiting migrating beings. Okay. And so that is that speaks about great compassion okay because due to having the great compassion that not only wants um, migrating beings to be free of suffering but is committed there's that C word committed to doing something about it okay therefore he's intent on benefiting migrating beings okay and so um you know, migrating beings are beings who migrate from one realm of samsara to the next under the influence of afflictions and karma. Okay? And so he, the Buddha, in seeing that these beings are tormented by dukkha and they're totally overwhelmed by the origins, the causes of dukkha, the afflictions and karma, and that they're ignorant of any means to escape, uh, the situation and that they're in a pretty desperate situation without any guide without any refuge without any help because we look around us and you know people they have no idea about the source of their of their suffering do they how many people do you 
oh, say the source of my suffering comes down to afflictions and karma. You know, people don't say that. Many times even people who are Buddhist, as soon as they experience some suffering, they, they don't look at their Buddhist practice and say it's afflictions and karma. They still say it's somebody else, or it's bad luck, or it's, it's something. Okay, So, you know, sentient beings are really in a desperate situation in that way, in that they don't even have a clue what the source of it all is, you know. I mean, they say, why do I have this body that, that is sick? Well, it's because of birth. Why do we have birth? Because of afflictions and karma. You know, people don't know that. Yeah? So they don't. They don't think, if, you know, if you want to prevent the, age, the suffering of aging, sickness, and death, and you have to prevent afflictions and karma. They don't, you know, people don't think that way. So it's a pretty desperate situation in the sense that people are really, really lost. And those are human beings with human intelligence. Then what about all of our animal friends who don't have the uh, possibility to hear the teachings or think about them at all? And they're much more numerous on this planet. The animals and the insects and the fish and then, you know, all the beings in so many other realms besides that. Yeah, so it's, it's a pretty bad situation. And yet the Buddha, because he has this incredible, enormous love and compassion, is intent on benefiting migrating beings. Okay, so you see how the whole thing starts with great compassion. So, Buddha has great compassion. He's intent on benefiting migrating beings. So then he, you know... As a bodhisattva, let's say, somebody has great compassion, they're intent on benefiting migrating beings, then they say, how am I going to benefit them? You know, what's the origin of their suffering? You know, well, the suffering is, you know, aging, sick, birth, aging, sickness, death, and, you know, the suffering of pain, the, the dukkha of change, the, the pervasive uh, condition dukkha that we talked about earlier. You know, this is their situation. The, the whole thing's rooted in ignorance and afflictions and karma. And karma is actually comes about due to afflictions, and afflictions come about due to ignorance. So ignorance is the ultimate root, root of this whole mess that sentient beings are in. And that ignorance misapprehends phenomena. It, it sees the self and all other phenomena as having their own inherent nature independent of other factors whereas they don't and so because this ignorance misapprehends how things exist there must be a wisdom that apprehends correctly how things exist and when the wisdom that apprehends correctly how things exist in other words this wisdom apprehends non-inherent existence that apprehends the emptiness of inherent existence then we know that there's an antidote to the grasping of inherent existence okay because the grasping apprehends inherent existence inherent existence doesn't exist the wisdom sees that okay so the wisdom perceives the opposite of what ignorance perceives and because wisdom is rooted in reality and ignorance is not, then the wisdom can overpower the ignorance. 
Okay. So this wisdom that realizes emptiness, it's the indispensable thing to liberate sentient beings because that's what sentient beings have to realize for themselves to be liberated. Okay. And in order to, for us to be able to liberate them and give them those teachings correctly, then we have to put it into practice and realize emptiness of inherent existence ourselves. Okay, So that wisdom realizing emptiness is called the teacher. Okay, So intent on benefiting migrating beings was the first attribute. The teacher is the second one. That wisdom realizing emptiness is called the teacher because that's what the Bodhisattva or the Buddha will teach his disciples in order to show them the path to liberation and thus fulfill the goal of his great compassion which is to liberate them, all the migrating beings from samsara. Okay? So you have great compassion being this tremendous motivator to realize emptiness and generate that wisdom that realizes emptiness. Yeah? The powerful great compassion that motivates that. Okay? And so then the emptiness becomes the teacher because it's the topic that is going to be taught. Okay, then the third is uh, the Buddha, the Bodhisattva, now familiarizes themselves with this exalted wisdom that realizes emptiness directly, that sees the nature of reality, that sees that things lack inherent existence because they exist dependently. Okay? And so through that wisdom, you know, familiarizing the mind with it again and again and again, the bodhisattvas, the Buddhas, abandon all of the defilements whatsoever in their mind stream and uh, enhance all of the good qualities in their mind streams to the complete limit. So all the defilements, whether they're the afflictive obscurations or the cognitive obscurations or self-centeredness or ignorance, anger and attachment or whatever it is, and, and all the karma produced by all of these things, this wisdom, when supported by bodhicitta, has the power to eliminate all of those defilements whatsoever. Okay? And through this wisdom, then all the other good qualities, the seeds of which we have in our, in our mind stream already, can be nourished and brought to fulfillment. So there we get two qualities of an enlightened being. Their abandonment of the defilements and their realizations or their actualization of all the good qualities. Okay? So you'll hear this a lot, you know, the abandonments and the, and the realizations. So the abandonments, yeah, are the true cessations in the mind stream of a Buddha. In other words, the cessations of all the various afflictions, the cessations of all the karma that causes rebirth, the cessations of the seeds of afflictions, the cessations of the latencies of afflictions. So all those things have been ceased. So that's the true cessations, which is the third noble truth. Okay. Then, all the realizations, that's the fourth noble truth, the true paths. Okay, so specifically the true paths are the mind, are the wisdoms realizing emptiness, 
And then when this mind is combined with all the other qualities, and these other qualities are supported by this wisdom, then, you know, they become very magnificent so that all the good qualities, all the realizations, can be cultivated to their fullest extent. Yeah? And so there you have complete abandonment, complete realizations. You have the true cessations and the true paths. The true cessations and the true paths, which are the last two of the Four Noble Truths, they are the Dharma refuge. So when we say we take refuge in the Dharma, what we're specifically taking refuge in are the true cessations and the true paths. Okay, we start out taking refuge in them in other beings because those are the qualities that enable other beings to be good guides. But then the real refuge for us is our own Dharma practice, the true cessations and true abandon um, and true paths that we uh, actualize in our own mind stream. Okay, so with all these true cessations, all these true paths, the full abandonment, the full realization. You know, the Buddhas have realized the culmination of the spiritual path. Yeah, they're perfectly enlightened Buddhas. They're completely omniscient. They are the next apatet, the one gone to bliss. Okay. So the one gone to bliss, the Sanskrit term is sugata. Yeah. So it refers to a fully enlightened one, one gone to the bliss. Okay, it's somebody who has understood well everything that is to be understood. Somebody who has gone to the ultimate peace of non-abiding nirvana. Non-abiding nirvana, remember, it doesn't abide in samsara, it doesn't abide in personal peace. So the complete culmination of the spiritual path, that's the one gone to bliss, the sugata. Okay, that came through meditating on... Um, the wisdom realizing emptiness, which arose due to great, due to having the intent to benefit migrating beings, which is based on great compassion. Okay. Now, then, so we're at at the point, you know, of being the sugata, yeah, fully culminated the whole spiritual path. So now, at this point. A Buddha is completely and perfectly equipped with all the qualities that are necessary to liberate sentient beings from suffering and from samsara. And so the way that the Buddhas liberate us is not by, you know, kind of throwing a life raft and, you know, we hang on to it. But they liberate us by teaching us the Dharma because the Dharma is the primary thing that we need to realize in our own mind that that frees our own mind. Okay, so the Buddha um, now embarks on teaching us the Four Noble Truths. Yeah, the truth of Dukkha, truth of the origin of Dukkha, truth, truth of cessation, and truth of the path. So the Buddha is teaching us all of those. And being perfectly and fully enlightened himself, he doesn't need to depend on another teacher anymore. He's not lackadaisical Buddha doesn't you know kind of have fits of you know I need a vacation from benefiting sentient beings you know these guys are too much um, yeah but with but with continuous joyous effort the Buddha is reaching out to sentient beings in all possible ways to benefit them 
but especially to be able to teach them because that's the best way to benefit them I mean we can Buddha can give clothes and food and all sorts of other things but the best way to benefit is by giving the teachings so by reaching out and benefiting sentient beings in all this way especially by giving teachings the Buddha becomes the protector because he protects sentient beings from suffering okay so that's the fourth attribute the protector okay so as a sugata the Buddha could have remained in nirvana and just been blissed out in his own meditative equipoise focused on emptiness but he didn't do that yeah he um, he chose to you know continue to manifest and to teach us and in the teachings that he gives us uh, the teachings are undeceptive the Buddha has absolutely no intention to lie okay due to having great compassion there's no intention to deceive sentient beings because it's always self-centered mind that motivates us to deceive others the Buddha's eliminated that through great compassion so there's no intention to deceive there's no lack of wisdom or knowing because he's realized emptiness completely and eliminated all the obscurations okay so in that way we can see that the Buddha's teachings are completely reliable and completely undeceptive yeah and so we can trust the Buddha's teachings and we can trust the Buddha as a spiritual guide who gave those teachings and so then we come back to the first phrase I bow to the one who has become reliable okay so do you see how it works you start with the conclusion I bow to the one who has become reliable how did he get reliable he's intent on benefiting sentient beings due to having great compassion through great compassion he develops wisdom that ceases samsara he becomes the teacher okay through familiarizing the mind with that wisdom realizing emptiness gaining all the true cessations all the the true paths uh, abandoning everything to be abandoned realizing everything to be realized therefore he becomes the sugata at one the one who has gone to bliss who has culminated the spiritual path then having become the sugata he doesn't just stay in his own meditative equipoise he doesn't get lazy he doesn't get discouraged you know but he continues to teach and so therefore he protects us he becomes the protector of migrating beings and those teachings that he gives are totally uh, undeceptive because he has no reason to lie because he has the great compassion and he has and that they're undeceptive because there's no ignorance in his mind stream that would enable him to make mistakes when teaching okay so therefore the Buddha is a completely reliable spiritual guide and the teachings are reliable as well and so that is the Buddha that we bow to when we say I bow to the one who has become reliable isn't that beautiful okay so all four of these attributes you know the the intent to to benefit migrating beings the teacher the uh, one gone to bliss and the protector all four of those are necessary 
yeah, for somebody be, to be completely reliable. Because like I was saying, if somebody might have great, great compassion, but if they haven't used it as a motivating factor to generate wisdom, then what they teach may, you know, they don't may not know what they're teaching. Or, you know, let's say they have wisdom, somebody could have wisdom, but not have compassion. So then, you know, there's no energy to teach. I'm okay, I'm in my own nirvana. Sorry guys, you know. But it's the great compassion that gives, you know. And then because the Buddha is a a sugata, everything's fully uh, developed, then he has all the tools necessary to benefit sentient beings. Uh, according to their karma and their dispositions and their aptitude and then so that's the sugata and then uh, you know goes about doing that being the protector okay so that's you know a short commentary on you know dinaga salutation which is what verse 15 uh, in our text was referring to okay Okay, so then verse 16 says, Therefore, even the conviction that only the Buddha's teachings serve as the holy gateway for those desiring liberation, even this depends upon skill in your ways. Okay, and so, um, yeah, we, uh, through having great compassion, the Buddha has established himself as a reliable guide. And thus his teachings become a reliable door for us to follow. Okay. And so this conviction, um, you know, in the, our conviction that we have in the, uh, the reliability, the trustworthiness of the Buddha and his teachings, okay, that depends upon um, having skillful means, which depends upon having compassion. Okay. That's verse 16. Then verse 17. Although numerous are the reasons why the jewel of Buddha is a fitting object of refuge, great impartial compassion is the chief reason. Okay. So the Buddha has, um, like we were saying before, abandoned everything to abandon, realized everything to realize. Um, Okay, but so all the Buddha's good qualities, because the Buddha's completed the, the ten far reaching practices, okay, generosity, ethical conduct, fortitude, that's my new translation for patience, I think it's a better one. Fortitude, joyous effort, meditative stabilization, wisdom, okay, uh, power, aspiring prayer skillful means actually I think the seventh one was skillful means then aspiring prayer then power and then exalted wisdom so all ten of those fire reaching practices yeah they are um, they are all reasons why the Buddha is a trustworthy guide why the jewel of Buddha is a fitting object of refuge but although those all those reasons are numerous the great impartial compassion is the chief one because it's that compassion that really motivated, you know, the Buddha to develop all the other qualities and that keeps a Buddha actively teaching and benefiting sentient beings uh, and keeps someone from falling into self-complacent nirvana um, or personal peace. 
uh, the greatest passion pre- uh, prevents that and so that compassion becomes the chief reason why the Buddha is reliable and if you, you think about it you know isn't that what makes you kind of feel good when you think about the Buddha as a refuge you know that you know that the Buddha is not going to be judgmental and he's not going to condemn you and he's not going to you know do all sorts of awful things and you know that no matter how how poorly we act the Buddha's never going to abandon us so all of us who have rejection issues all of us who have abandonment issues you know this is one object of refuge you know the Buddha's never going to reject us never going to abandon us never going to run us into the ground and tell us we're unworthy okay so becomes quite a reliable refuge hmm? so it becomes an interesting thing on our part if we can open up to take that refuge yeah because sometimes we're so locked in our rejection issues our abandonment issues our unworthy issues that we can't open up and really see the Buddha Dharma Sangha as reliable objects of refuge but if we can then it becomes really a great support for us in whatever situation we're in you know so we develop this ability to open to the Buddha Dharma Sangha gradually it isn't something that's an on and off light switch we cultivate it over time and it and it grows and develops with time but um, you know then it can really become a, an incredible thing because then no matter what is going on in your life you have this sense of connection to an enlightened being yeah. and the sense of connection isn't that the Buddha is going to swoop down you know with with angels and you know pick you up and take you to safety but the Buddha will teach us how to handle every situation we're ever in and the Buddha will teach us how to transform every situation into the path to enlightenment and how to attain that highest complete enlightenment okay and so you know seeing that the presence of the Dharma the presence of the Buddha it's always there we just need to tune our radio station into that frequency you know and stop blocking it by our own apprehensions and you know our own issues then we can find that we have quite an exceptional refuge with us yeah and so then like I was saying no matter what's going on in our life you know we're happy we're miserable things are going well things aren't going well if we take refuge in the Buddha Dharma Sangha then we're going to know what teaching we need to practice and how we need to transform our mind at that very moment in order to see things more realistically and in a more beneficial way and we'll be able to do that and then as soon as we change our mind in that moment the whole experience of whatever situation we're in changes dramatically okay so you know becoming enlightened isn't an issue of going someplace else it's an issue of changing the mind so that can happen anytime anywhere okay so we just have to you know this is we're really getting here into the deeper meaning of what of what taking refuge is 
Okay? And how that develops over time, because the more you show up for the Dharma, and the more you learn and the more you practice, then the deeper your refuge becomes because you've experienced the benefit of practicing the Dharma in your own life. And nothing works like your own personal experience to convince you of the validity of something. Yeah? Okay, I mean, this is what got me going in the Dharma is, uh, you know, they were talking about self-centeredness, ignorance, anger, and attachment being the cause of suffering. And when I started to look at my life, I realized they are right. You know? Every single problem, every single misery I ever experienced was, you know, intimately involved with those. Yeah? This life and, you know, of course, previous lives creating the karma that brought the situation too. But even in this very life. And so then it was like, okay, they pinpointed it. And then, you know, when I heard the different antidotes to practice to these various afflictions and deluded states of mind, when I started practicing them, I saw that they worked. They didn't work instantaneously. It wasn't like, you know, I meditated once on patience and I never got angry again. (laughs) I wish. It's not like that. But I did see that if I put some energy in and then over time I did that, that then my anger lessened. Or even the anger came up, I was able to, you know, apply the antidote and remedy it, you know, and rebalance my mind much quicker than before. Okay, so it's nothing. If we, you know, but we have to put in the energy to get the results. We don't get the results by just praying, Buddha, please, you know, give me all the realizations. In the meantime, I'm going to have a cup of tea and a donut. You know, it's not like that. It's like, you know, when we pray and request the Buddha for inspiration, we're actually talking to ourselves, you know. And we're actually setting out for ourselves what our priorities are. And then asking for the Buddha's inspiration and energy to help us, uh, you know, tune in and accomplish what our own spiritual aspirations are. Okay.